It's time for mystery. Mystery Radio X X X Mr. District Attorney, starring David Bryan. Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people, defender of truth, guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it shall be my duty as District Attorney not only to prosecute to the limit of the law all persons accused of crimes perpetrated within this county, but to defend with equal vigor the rights and privileges of all its citizens. This is David Bryan. In a moment, we'll bring you another case from the files of Mr. District Attorney, but first, a word from our sponsor. And now, here is our star, David Bryan, as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. The District Attorney knows that crime has its roots in emotion, and of these, the most deadly is greed. This case started in a large, badly kept junkyard on the outskirts of town near the city dump. The junk dealer and his wife are seated at the dinner table in the ramshackled house, but the man isn't eating. He's reading a newspaper. Will you stop reading that thing and eat your supper, Nick? I ain't hungry. You've had your nose buried in them new car ads ever since you got the check from the salvage company. <laughs> Fat lot of good it's doing you. We can't buy one. Oh, well, we could. I didn't have to pay that Mexican for helping me. Well, you do have to pay him, so stop daydreaming. New car. You ain't never gonna do enough work on your own to get anything new, let alone a new car. If you know what's good for your men, you'll stop picking on me. You could have taken the pipe and stuff out of those condemned buildings by yourself if you wasn't so lazy. Are you gonna shut up? Or are you looking for a punch in the mouth? I didn't mean nothing. All right. Shut your trap and keep it shut. $1,800 for that pipe, and I gotta give half of it away. Well, there ain't nothing you can do about it, Nick. He knows you got the check. He was supposed to be paid as soon as the stuff was weighed out. You can't stall him much longer. He'll be coming over again tonight to ask for it. Uh, uh, That'll be him now, Nick. Yeah. Coming right up to the front porch. Just like he owned the place. Get busy with your dishes. I'll handle him. Well, Morales, what do you want? Oh, Mr. Hover, I come for my money for the work I do. I told you I'd bring it to you when it come. I ain't got it yet. I can't give you what I ain't got. Please, Mr. Hover, I don't like to bother you, but my wife, she's sick. We're going to have another baby. Well, now, look... Nobody. I got troubles of my own, Morales. Well, I know you got the money, Mr. Hobart. I call the salvage company, they say everything you paid. Oh. <laughs> so you're checking up on me, are you? Now, look, Morales. I'm going to tell you what I'll do. I'll... Here. It's better than you deserve. Here. Here's $50. For three months' work? Uh, go on, take it, and we'll just call it square. And if you don't like it, you and your family can get out of that shack of mine by morning. Oh, no, Mr. Hubbard, you don't cheat me. I want my money. All my money, $900. You better take this 50 while you can, Morales. Because it's all you're going to get. Mr. Hubbard, if you don't pay me now, I go tomorrow to the law. The law? <laughs> Why, well, you know... Good. Mr. Hubbard, oh, please. Don't. He'll take that 50. You'll sign that paper right now or I'm going to beat the life out of you. Nick, Nick, what's going on? Stay out of this, men. Morales and I just made a deal. In the second drawer on the... No, don't sign no paper, Mr. Aubrey. No. 
Come back here, Morales. Come here. I've got to the wrong. You ain't going far. Nick. Nick, no, not the shotgun. Yeah, let go of me with it. Oh. Nick, you're crazy. Morales, come back here. No. All right, then. You ain't never going to reach that fence. <laughs> Nick, Nick, what did you do? Shut up. Shut up, dear. Shut up, dear. Nick. He's dead, Nick. Nick, what are you going to do? Will you shut up? Shut up now, let me think. I gotta think, I gotta think. And then we, we gotta move him someplace away from here. Come on, help me lift him up. We, we gotta move him, come on. Oh, I can't, Nick, I can't touch him. Come on, help me, I said. Keep your mouth shut. Forever. From now on, forever, you keep it shut. Or I'll shut it just like I shut his. Come on, come on, grab his feet. Well, there he is, Chief. Department of Sanitation boys found him. They were bulldozing some of those ash heaps to level them out. Yeah, it's a good thing they saw him, Harrington. If he ever ran the bulldozer across here, he'd been buried for good. Yeah. Doc says he's been dead about 40 hours. You say the Missing Persons Bureau has a report on a man of this description? Uh-huh. Report was filed yesterday by a Mrs. Morales. Said her husband didn't come home the night before last. Well, that fits in with a month of time. The doc says he's been dead. Now, let's get a better look. Shotgun killing, huh? Yeah, yeah. He got it behind the head and through the back. Heavy charge. Gun was probably 12-gauge. You know where Morales lived? Yeah, one of those shacks on the edge of the dump someplace. None of them have any address. But when Mrs. Morales made the missing person report, she said the shack belonged to a junk dealer named Hubbard. Although it beats me how Hubbard owns anything that's standing on city property. Where is Hubbard's junkyard? Well, it's uh, way down at the end of the dump, about a mile and a half, that high board fence. Hey, see it? Yeah. You'll have to drive around past the gas works to get to it. There's no direct way from here, unless you want to ruin your car. Yeah, I'll go around. Herbert may be able to give us some information about Morales. I'll meet you in town when I'm finished. Okay, Chief. Yeah, we uh, heard about it maybe an hour ago. Somebody called to tell my husband. Let me turn this washing machine off, will you? so old you can't hear nothing when it's gone. Everything we've got is old. Junk my husband picked up someplace. Well, where is your husband now, Mrs. Hubbard? Oh, he uh, drove over to the shacks to tell Mrs. Morales and see if maybe there wasn't something he could do for her and the kids. Morales sometimes worked for my husband. And so I understand. Did Morales ever come here? Here to your home, I mean. Only when he had some business with Nick, my husband. When was the last time? Why, can't say for sure, Mr. Garrett. Like I said, he'd come to see Nick on business. You'd probably be around when he came, though. When was the last time you saw him? Well, I, I can't say for sure. I'm... Well, I'm too upset to think. Well, that's Nick's truck coming now. Nick will know. He'll tell you. Nick, this here man is Mr. Garrett, the district attorney. Oh, well, sure glad to know you, Mr. Garrett. Seemed like an old friend. I voted for you so often. Uh, thank you, Mr. Hubbard. Hey, is this your car? Mm-hmm. Boy, sure is slick looking. I must ride like a dream. Nick, Mr. Garrett wants to know something about Morales. Yeah, I know. I... Well, I just left his widow... Yeah, this thing's hit her kind of hard. Sure feel awful sorry for her and them kids. And... Just a few things I want to know, Hubbard. When did you see Morales last? Your wife couldn't remember. Hmm? Well, you 
You sure, sure are upset, men. Now, you ought to remember Morales stopped by here night before last. Well, I, I wasn't sure that... Night before last? And what time? Well, it was just after we finished supper, eight o'clock, maybe. Same night he was killed. Huh? You, you mean he's been dead that long? Well, that's what the coroner thinks. You have any reason to think differently? Well, I... I mean, he, he was only found this morning. He's been missing since the night before last, though. His wife reported that to the police yesterday. You knew that, didn't you? Well, sh- sure I knew it, but... Well, I, I figured he was off celebrating with that roll of money he had. What roll of money? Money I paid him for the job we did together. You mean you paid him when he stopped by here the night before last? Sure. Sure, I handed him $900. Wait. Wait a minute. What, Herbert? Something Mrs. Morales told me. Uh, just a while ago when I was over there. Somebody dropped in on Morales the night he disappeared. Who? One of the shantytown bums, a guy named Shorty. Morales wasn't there when he came. This the Shorty waited around for a while, she said, and then he... Then he said he, he'd walk across the dump toward my place, see if he couldn't meet Morales on the way. You know, you ask me, this shorty may be the man you're after. Sounds like a strong possibility, Hubbard. I'm going to see Mrs. Morales and get more information about shorty, whoever he is. Want to tell me how to get there? Well, uh, I'll do better than that, Mr. Garrett. I'll, I'll drive over with you. Oh, fine. Let's go. Goodbye, Mrs. Hubbard. Uh, bye, men. I'll be back later. Goodbye. Oh, uh... Okay, if we take your car, Mr. Garrett? Sure. You know, you jounce around too much in my old truck. It's ought to be a pleasure for me to ride in a new job like yours, eh? Hop in. Yeah. Ah, boy. Sure is smooth. I'm going to get me a new car soon. Ah, sure does hum, don't you? Yeah, now, which way do I go? Hmm? Oh, uh, through the gate and turn left. Uh, sure is a shame, Bob Morales. Bet I uh, guess you ain't gonna have much trouble finding your killer once Mrs. Morales tells you where to look for that, that fellow Shorty, huh? Seems like he had a motive, all right. Sounds like the killer to me. I hope you get him, Mr. Garrett. Morales was a mighty fine worker, mighty fine. Hate to see anybody get away with killing him. Oh, man. Yeah, this this is a fine car, ain't it? Hey, j- just, just listen to her purr. This is David Bryan. Before we continue with Mr. District Attorney in the case of the murderous junk man, here is an important message I'd like you to hear. And now, back to David Bryan, starring as Paul Garrett, Mr. District Attorney. The body of Juan Morales, a junk man's helper, had been found in the city dump. The dead man's employer directed me to a threadbare but cleanly scrubbed shack where the widow lived with two wide-eyed kids who clung to their mother's skirt. There was heartbreak in her eyes, but she kept it smothered for the sake of the children until she sent them out so we could talk. Go, go. Lean the back. Pipito, help Rosa find her doll. I, I try not to cry when they are near me. Take it easy, Mrs. Morales. Easy. What is easy? Life is hard for me, for them. And now they have no father to turn to. Now, now everything's going to be all right. I told you you can stay on here, rent-free. We didn't want to stay here. We were going to move away to it to the apartment house for the new baby that is going to come. As soon as you gave Juan his money, why did you make him wait so long? Oh, well, for I... For three days, every day he asks you for his share, and you keep saying that you don't get the check yet. What is this, Hubbard? Well, I... I didn't want to give Juan the money. I... I wanted to give it to Mrs. Morales here. I... I asked him to bring her down to the house to collect it. Why? To make sure it went to her and the kids, that's all. 
Mrs. Morales, Herbert says you told him about somebody coming here to borrow money from your husband the night he didn't come home. See, si. a man who works with one at the brickyard one time, two years ago. They call him Shorty. His name is Shorty Davis. Did you tell him that your husband had gone over to Hubbard? See, si. Then he said he would not wait anymore. He would walk across the dump and try to meet Juan. And then he went away. Where does Shorty live? I don't know. The shacks of that way. I'll have my men check them all. They'll get him. I'll see that somebody comes to give you some help, Mrs. Morales. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. Come on, Hubbard. I'll drive you home. report on the Morales killing, Mr. Garrett. Oh, thanks, Miss Miller. Any report on Shorty Davis yet? I don't know, but Harrington got his way in. All right. Anything worthwhile in this? A few things, I think. The shotgun pellets followed a downward trajectory indicating that the gun was fired from above and behind the victim. Hi, Chief. Oh, hello, Harrington. Just got the ballistics report. Yeah, I know. Morgan handed me a copy when I passed the lab. I read it in the elevator on the way up. And what about Shorty Davis? Yeah, we're too late, Chief. Looks like he's making a run. Why? I well, located his shack. A few of the dump tramps said he took off a couple of hours ago with his clothes in a bundle. You put out an all-points bulletin? Yeah, gave it to the radio division a half hour ago. He won't run too far if they spot him. Well, how come? He's got a bad leg. Broke it in a transit accident on the subway three months ago. Got a civil suit pending against the transit company. Supposed to come up in court tomorrow, but he won't be there. I want that courtroom covered just the same. Yeah, it will be. But well, he's the kind of... I'll get it. District Attorney's office. That's right, Lieutenant. Good, I'll tell him. He'll probably be over right away. Lieutenant Levis from the 9th Precinct. One of his prowl cars just picked up Shorty Davis. They're holding him. Good. Come on, Harney. Let's go. Levis say where they picked him up? Yes, sir, the railroad yards. He was trying to get into an empty boxcar on a southbound freight. Not that he had to take a freight train. What do you mean by that? Levis says he had a couple hundred dollars in his pocket. Come on. All right, Shorty. Just sit down right there. Yeah. Well, look, won't somebody tell me why them cops picked me up? I ain't done nothing. If you haven't, you've got nothing to worry about. Where are you heading for? Florida. I got a bad leg. I wanted to get where it's warm. See? Why the rush? You've been around here a couple of months with that bad well, leg. Well, I, I couldn't go before. They're rough on tramps down there. I was waiting to get some money. Well, apparently you got it all right. And we want to know where you got it. Well, I got it from the subway company. I busted my leg in the subway. Your suit doesn't come up before the judge until tomorrow morning. Yeah, well, we settled it out of court yesterday. They give me $300. It won't take long to find out if you're telling the truth. Who's your lawyer? Robert Hoxie over on Center Street. Call him, Harrington. Right. Listen, mister, tell me something, will you? Sergeant. What do you think I got the money? You'll find out later, Shorty. Do you have the whole 300 you claim you settled for? Yeah. Well, all except a couple of bucks I spent for eating. What time did you leave your shack this morning? Well, left it early. As soon as I knew the bank was open, I could get my money. They give me a check. And you didn't know that Juan Morales was found dead this morning? Dead? Morales? Murdered. He was murdered the night you stopped by his shack to see him. Oh, I never got to see him that night. But you did stop by the shack. Yeah, but he wasn't home. His wife could tell you that, Esther, huh? His story about the money is legitimate, Chief. I know it is. I'm telling you the truth. And just keep on telling it. Mrs. Morales told you where her husband went that night, didn't she? Well, just that he was over to Hubbard's junkyard. Didn't you say you were going down there to meet him? Yeah, that's right. Well, look, I wanted to borrow a couple of bucks, see, because one knew me. We worked together once, and we used to borrow, you know, from each other, and I always paid him back. We're not checking you for a credit rating, Shirley. What we want to know is what happened after you met Morales. I, I didn't ever meet him, I told you. I must have waited, oh, half hour maybe. Then I seen the Hubbards come walking through the gate. Walking? So I... And you didn't let them know you were there. Why? 
Oh, I'll tell you why, mister. I didn't want Hubbard asking me what I was doing on his property at night when he was out. Yeah? What were you afraid of? A shotgun, if you want to know. A shotgun. He's a mean guy. You'd ask anybody in Shantytown. He thinks everybody's crooked. He's afraid they'll cart some of that junk off and sell it off to another junkie. He has a shotgun, huh? Ooh, you bet he does. He near blasted one of the guys once. The Hubbards could have been walking back from the dumps, Harrington. You mean they might have packed Morales' body out there? Why would they kill him? Hubbard's been stalling Morales on some money he owed him. And his excuse was full of holes. I'm going to call Miss Miller. Shorty can repeat when he told us and sign it. District Attorney's office. Garrett, Miss Miller. I want you to take a cab over here to the 9th Precinct. Take a statement from Shorty Davis. Have him sign it. Is it a confession? No, he's not the man. Whoever the man is, I hope you get him soon. Why? What's the matter? Mrs. Morales collapsed at the morgue after she identified her husband's body. He had to take her to General Hospital. How bad is it? She lost the baby she was carrying, Mr. Garrett. I'll see you later. What are you so mad about, Chief? I don't want to talk about it right now. Listen, Shorty. Yeah? How did you get into Hubbard's yard? If you were so afraid of him, you didn't use the gate. No. There's, uh, there's a couple of loose boards in the fence. You know, a part that runs right alongside the dump? Thanks. We're going to have a look at that place, Harrington, without being seen. What's she watering with that hose, Chief? No plants or anything growing there, not even grass. I know. He's been at it for some time, too. What's she want a mud puddle in the middle of the yard for? The rest of the place looks like it never got water. Come on. You gonna let her see us? I want to find out why she's doing that. Hubbard isn't around. His truck is gone. Good evening, Mrs. Hubbard. Hello. Oh, hello. You frightened me. Excuse me while I turn this off. I'll get it. The ground seems kind of dry. It's wet enough now. At least this one spot is. Wet enough to cover any blood stains that might have seeped into the ground. Well, I don't understand what you mean. Don't you? Let's have a good look around here, Harrington. What are you looking for? Maybe I can help you. If we find what we want, we won't need your help. If there was anything, Chief, it's washed away for good. Much an inch thick all the way over to that old car cushion on the ground. It's a car cushion. Look at it, Harrington. Hmm? I don't see. Hey. Hey. It's riddled with small holes. The same kind of holes that shotgun pellets might make. The full charge didn't hit Morales. Some of them went past him. Nick didn't kill Morales. He didn't. He committed two murders, if the truth is known, Mrs. Hubbard, because Mrs. Morales just lost the new baby she was expecting. Oh, oh no. Where's the shotgun? In the house, I'll show you. He started water in there after you brought him back from Morales' shack. And he told me to do it. Just keep wetting it down good till it was all soaked. Gun is behind that bureau hanging on nails. He put it there. Yeah, 12 gauge, all right, Chief. Maybe I ain't a good wife. Maybe I shouldn't have told you. But I feel better about it now. Some night, maybe I'll sleep again if I live to be old enough. Where's your husband now, Mrs. Hubbard? I don't know. He just walked out this afternoon whistling. Whistling like he owned the world. Chief, Chief, there's a car just turned into that gate. That don't sound like Nick's truck. It isn't a truck, Mrs. Hubbard. It's a car, a brand new car. Get away from the window, Harrington. Don't answer him. Men! Hey, men, why didn't you... Oh. Hello, Mr. Garrett. I, uh, I forgot Don't something. Don't move, mister. You know this shotgun is loaded. It's yours. I told him, Nick. What? I told him everything. How you tried to cheat Morales, how you shot him in the oh, trap. Shut, shut your crazy mouth. No, you don't. Don't try that again. Now get up. 
You finally got a new car, didn't you, Nick? You know where you're going to drive it, don't you? You know where? <laughs> Come on, Nick. This time we'll use your car. This is David Bryan again. I hope you've enjoyed this case from the file of Mr. District Attorney. I'll be back in just a moment after this message from our sponsor. Now, here is the star of Mr. District Attorney, David Bryan, with a word about the program you have just heard. It took a jury less than 15 minutes to return with a verdict of murder in the first degree against Nick Hubbard. He was subsequently executed. Mrs. Hubbard, an unwilling accessory, was sentenced to prison for a term of five years. With the help of civil authorities, Mrs. Morales was able to find and maintain a more suitable home for her minor children. And now this is David Bryan inviting you to join us when we present our next case based on the facts of crime from the file of Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney was originated by Phillips H. Lord. Now, another mystery on Mystery Radio XXX. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Kalanos Toothpaste present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction in one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime, the famous old investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. First, is your smile everything you'd like it to be? Bright, sparkling, magnetic? If not, try the new Colonel's toothpaste thousands are raving about. It's a high-polishing toothpaste that acts like a jeweler's polish in removing tarnish from silver. Quickly, but also gently, Colonel's erases stubborn surface film from your teeth, revealing all their glorious natural brilliance. Get Colonel's. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. Colonel's toothpaste at your drugstore tonight. Now, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. This time, our story opens about a hundred miles from New York, in a chemical plant in Connecticut. There's a hum of motors and a hiss of compressed air as Mr. Keene and his assistant, Mike Clancy, are guided across the floor amid great vats and retorts. Halfway across the floor, their guide, a thin, nearsighted man, pauses to answer a question. Oh, yes, Mr. Keene. Our production right now is entirely for the war effort. And I gather, Mr. Wallace, this plant supplies chemicals for various types of explosives? Oh, yes. The shells, bombs, mines. Mine, mine, mine. Look at the size of them big bats over there. <laughs> Hitler wouldn't like to think of all the shooting that's going to come out of them, I'll bet. Quite right, Miss Clancy, quite right. And that may have a lot to do with the reason that our manager, Mr. Morley, has sent for you two gentlemen. Well, why did he, Mr. Wallace? All I know is that he phoned my office yesterday in New York... Asked me to come here the first thing this morning. What's happened? Well, I'm only in the personnel division. I'll have to let Mr. Morley talk for himself. If you'll come along to his office, uh, over there on the right. No, sir. Must be on the left. Uh, the left? Oh, yes, there's the sign. Manager. Oh, yes, yes. Forgive me for not knowing the way around my own plant. But I've broken my glasses, you see. I'm very nearsighted. Never mind, Mr. Wallace. We'll guide you. In fact, here we are right now. Yeah. One moment while I knock. Come in. Good morning, Mr. Morley. Oh, good morning. Uh, you must be Mr. Keene. That's right. This is my assistant, Mike Clancy. Glad to meet you. How do you do, Mr. Clancy? Won't you come inside, please, gentlemen? You too, Walter. Yes. I 
Now, if you just sit down and make yourself comfortable. Thank you. Now then, Mr. Morley, what's it all about? Well, I'll come right to the point, Mr. Keene. As you've probably noticed, this is a war plant, and a very busy one. Right now, we're, well, we've just received a very serious threat to our production. How? By the disappearance of a member of our staff. In fact, our best chemical engineer. Mm, that is serious. There is another man in the plant who has his know-how. We must get him back as soon as possible. What's this man's name? Henry Trevor. And how old? Forty-two or so. Mm-hmm. When did he disappear? Three days ago. Under what circumstances? Well, I'll, uh, I'll let Wallace here tell you. Uh, well, sir, it was late Monday afternoon. I went to Mr. Trevor's office to check a personnel matter. But he didn't have time to talk to me. He already had his hat and coat on. was leaving the plant. Uh, not that he was a clock watcher. Oh, no, indeed. Continue, please. Well, Mr. Keene, there isn't much more to tell. Mr. Trevor left the plant and just never returned. You checked at his home? Well, he has lodgings. Never slept in his bed that night. Mm-hmm. Was he in any sort of private difficulties? Oh, none at all. Unless Wallace here has an idea. Oh, what is it, Mr. Wallace? You've heard how valuable Mr. Trevor is to us. Obviously, if anybody stands to profit from his disappearance... Oh, are you hinting that his disappearance may be the work of enemy agents? Yes, Mr. Key. Glory be. I don't know whether I'm permitted to tell you, but uh, perhaps Mr. Morley... Oh, I think I can refer to it in a general way. Mr. Keene, this plant has been working on an important new device. Really? And Trevor was handling all the experiments. Well, that is important. And what's more, Mr. Keene? Yes, Mr. Wallace. When I went to his lodgings to make a check, I found that several strangers had taken rooms there recently. Really? Well, we'll have to look into that. But first, I'd like a few more facts on Trevor's professional background. Wallace can give you all that, Mr. Keene. Yes. In fact, I've dug up his folder from my files. Oh. If you don't mind reading it to me. Yes. Oh, dear me, my glasses. I'm half blind until they finish making me a new pair. I'll read it myself, then. Notice Mr. Trevor came here only six months ago. Yes, that's correct. Before that... Why, all his previous experience was a school teacher. Yes, quite so. Six months as chemistry instructor in the Tappingworth School for Boys. Before that, six months at the Jones Walton School. And then sick for a year in Nevada. Lung trouble, he said. But he was completely cured. And before his illness, 15 years at the Morton Latin School. This strikes me as very odd, Mr. Morley. What does? Here is a man who was content for 15 years to stay in one place, and then he becomes ill. When he recovers, he shows an extreme restlessness. He rushes from one job to another. Well, he told me that after he recovered his health, he started looking for better jobs. And here's another point. You say he was your best chemical engineer? Absolutely. But all his past experience was as a teacher. Something very much different. Well, Mr. Keene, he had a college degree in chemistry, so mm-hmm. we were mighty glad to have him. What with the shortage of technicians and for war? I still think that the only explanation is enemy agents. Well, possibly. Meanwhile, thanks for the information, Mr. Wallace. I'll pay a visit to his lodging. Whatever you wish, Mr. Keene, but just find Trevor. We need him. I'll do my best. Come along, Mike. Okay, boss. If you'd like me to show you out... It won't be necessary. Thank you, Mr. Wallace. Good. I have some other matters to discuss with Mr. Morley. Good day. Good day. Good day. I'll let you know just as soon as anything develops. Well, thank you, Mr. Keene. Well, boss, what do you think? First, let's get some facts, Mike, and then we'll think. Oh, you there, Mr. Keene? Well, boss, somebody's calling. Mr. Keene? Yes, that girl over there by the machine. Yes, young woman? Mr. Keene, I heard Wallace mentioning your name when you came by before. You're the famous investigator, aren't you? Yes. Well, I guess you're up here to look for Mr. Trevor. You know about his disappearance? Why, sure, everybody knows. Well, do you have some information that might help me? Boss, I think she means... What do I mean? Well, somebody stuffed him into one of them big bats. <laughs> no. What I wanted to say is, if you could get interested in women's hats... Women's hats? You might find out a whole lot more than you know right now. What do you mean by that? Uh, stop that machine for a moment. Sorry, I've got work to do. Well, please, this is important. I told you, I can't. 
supper, Mrs. Devon. Please, young woman, listen to me. No use, Mike. Let's get out into the hall. Women's hats. What does she mean by that? Mike, I have half an idea. On our way through the town, we stopped once to ask directions. Sure, in a cigar store. Did you notice what was next door? Oh, yes. A hat store. A very smart-looking little place. Unusual for a town like this. You think that's what the chick meant? Let's find out. Here we are, Mike. This is the place. And there's the owner's name on the window. This is Lydia Groves. This is only a hunch. I'm going to play it for all it's worth. Okay. come to buy hats. No, Miss Groves, to ask a question. I, I don't understand. When did you last see Henry Trevor? Henry Trevor? Yes, the engineer from the chemical plant. I, I don't know him. This is a small community. You must know it. I mind my own business, which is to make and sell hats. But Mrs. Groves... And all my hats are for women. Good day, gentlemen. Oh, but lady, this is important. You've made a mistake. Good day. Very well. Good day. Come along, Mike. Boss, you think she was telling the truth? No, Mike, I don't. Enemy agent? Mike, in my long life, I found out that a beautiful woman can cause plenty of trouble without being anybody's agent. But this fellow Wallace said... We still need more information. The only way to get it... How, sir? Let's circulate around town and... Dig up every bit of gossip that we can. You hang around the lunch wagon, the gas station. As for me, I'm going to get a haircut. Uh, take uh, more off the side, sir. That's right, Barbara. Uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, nice day. Oh, it's a beautiful day. I think it's going to be warm after all. Definitely. Yes, sir, definitely. Yes, sir. I don't think I ever saw you around here before. I'm doing a job for the chemical plant. Oh, chemical plant. I believe our Mr. Trevor is one of your customers. Oh, sure, sure. Every two weeks. Interesting about him and Mrs. Groves, isn't it? Him and Mrs. <laughs> you know. The whole plant knows. Funny thing, he took to her from the first day she come to this town and opened her shop. Thick as thieves, old two. When did she first come to town? She about the time my wisdom tooth was raising king last September. Take more off the side. Uh, yes, please. He hung around her shop all the time. Yes, till till folks started talking. So then they uh, took to cover. <laughs> You know, uh, Thrush Lane. <laughs> They've been meeting there every night. Thrush Lane? Mm-hmm. Oh, all the spooning and mooning that goes on there. And just where is Thrush Lane? Oh, half a mile south of town, right by the factory. <coughs> what, uh, say, uh, what are you doing? Uh, you, you, you can't get up in the chair yet. Here's your money. I'll see you later. Uh, but I only done one side of your head. Everybody come back. <coughs> Crazy fella. Running off with only half a haircut. No, boss. There's nothing in the underbrush over here. Well, come over to this side. Oh, Mr. Keene, so sure we've been at it for three hours already. I know, Mike. This is our only real lead. Remember what the barber said. They met here every night. Oh, boss. Take off your hat just once more. I will not. <laughs> the strangest haircut I ever did see. And you such a proper gentleman. Oh. Here, help me put these branches aside. There. And you're still hoping to find Trevor's body out here in Crush Lane. Not hoping. I'll be glad if I'm wrong. Well, there's nothing here. All right. Let's get back on the path. 
Mike. So far, we can be sure of only one thing. What's that? Trevor and Mrs. Groves knew each other long before they ever came here. That I'm certain. You see, I found they arrived here actually within a week or two of each other. Uh, Trevor to take the job at the plant. And Mrs. Groves to open the shop. Then promptly they became friends. Then promptly... Yes, Mr. Keene. What are you staring at? Something there on the ground, just a yard ahead of us. I don't see it. Look, Mike, from over here where the sun strikes it. Oh, sure, but what of it? Just those few little chunks. Come over here, Mike. Bend down. Help me pick them up. Okay, sir. Okay. Here. Judging from the thickness of these fragments, I think we'd better have another talk with our friend, Mr. Wallace. and Mike examine their surprising find. Next time you meet the most successful man you know or the most popular girl, take a good look at their teeth. Chances are they'll be sparkling and beautiful with all the magnetism your own smile should have. Then examine your own teeth critically. If they're not every bit as brilliant and gleaming as they should be, if they show signs of being discolored by surface film, just do as thousands do. Try the new Colonel. A high-polishing toothpaste. Safely, speedily, Colonos helps brush away masking surface film, revealing the natural luster and brightness of your teeth. Your druggist has an ample supply of Colonos on hand, so get a tube tonight and see what wonders it made you in helping you to add to the charm and appeal of your smile. Remember the name, Colonos. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. Colonos. A high-polishing toothpaste. And now back to the chemical plant where Mr. Keene has a quiet talk with the helpful Mr. Wallace. Yes, Miss Keene? Is there something more you wanted to know? One or two little details, Mr. Wallace. Fire away, Miss Keene, fire away. Were you aware, Mr. Wallace, that Henry Trevor was very friendly with a Mrs. Groves? I wouldn't know about that. Well, did you ever notice what route Trevor took when he left the factory at night? Oh, uh, back to his lodgings, I suppose. By way of Thrush Lane? Didn't you ever notice whether he made a practice of going through Thrush Lane? Did he? I never had any occasion for walking there myself. No? Wallace, when did you break your glasses? My, my glasses? Why, several days ago. Where? Right here, in my office. Pretty thick lenses, I gather. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. That's why I'm having trouble getting them replaced. Wallace... Take a look at these. I mean, these fragments in my hand. Well, how can I without my glasses? Take them into your hand. Feel them. Bits of broken glass. Very thick bits. The kind of glass that might be used in the spectacle of a very nearsighted man. I don't know what you're driving at, sir. I found these 20 minutes ago in Thrush Lane. Well, the world's full of nearsighted men. Are you sure one of them didn't follow Henry Trevor into the woods last Monday night and overhear his conversation with Mrs. Groves? I, I'm sure that this one did not. Are you quite finished, sir? One thing more. Do you have any photographs of Henry Trevor in your files? You must have. Yes, sir. I'd like to have one. At once. Well, boss, what are you up to now? I'm going on a little trip, Mike. Where to? Back into Henry Trevor's past. Dr. Grange, you are the headmaster of the Tappingworth School? Oh, yes, for 20 years. Do you recognize this photograph? Why, yes, this is Henry Trevor. He taught chemistry here last year. Excellent grasp of his subject, too. I wish he'd stayed. What can you tell me of his background? Why, he came here from the Jones Wharton School with the usual references. That's all you know? Well, yes, Mr. King. Thank you, Dr. Grange. Oh, yes. Yes, Mr. Trevor taught here for one term at the Jones Wharton School. He got along well, Miss Mott. Our girls simply adored him. 
Where had he been before? Uh, he'd been sick, I believe, for a year. Before that, the Morton Latin School. Look at this photograph, please. Is that a good resemblance? Perfect. Well, Mr. Keene, we had Mr. Trevor with us here at the Morton School for 15 years, until he became ill. Then he went to Nevada for his health, Dr. Hines? Uh, quite so. You never heard from him again? Only when other schools asked us about his references. I wonder if, uh, if you would have a photograph of him. Well, we should. Any one of the yearbooks. Let me see on this shelf up here. Oh, yes. The yearbook of 1940. That will do very well. Well, there we are, Mr. Keene. You say that's Henry Trevor? Of course. Well, let me show you a photograph, Dr. Hines. This one. Hmm. How good a resemblance is this one? Mr. Keene, this is the strangest thing. Do you have time for a story? All the time in the world. Go right ahead. Well, Mr. Keene, I began to wonder what had happened to you. I've been away, Mr. Morley, for two days. Any luck? Any trace of Trevor? Yes and no. What do you mean by that? He's alive all right and well. I'm sure of that. Well, I... But uh, where he is and whether he wants to be found... That's something else. Mr. Keene, all I know is that I've got to have him back at the plant. He's done fine and important work here. We need him desperately. All right, Mr. Morley. That makes it a whole lot easier. Mr. Keene, it's you again. Yes, Mrs. Groves. Mr. Keene, if you've come to plague me with questions again. No. No more questions. Because I know the answer. I... I'm not feeling well. Please come back some other time. Now is the best time. You see, Mrs. Groves, I've just finished tracing back the history of Henry Trevor. Or rather, the man who called himself Henry Trevor. I don't understand. The real Henry Trevor died two years ago in Nevada. But I told you that I know nothing about it. And the moment he died, his identity was borrowed by someone else. In fact, by his brother, John Trevor. Oh. Yes, there were two Trevors, John and Henry. Both were trained in chemistry. Henry became a teacher. John became an engineer. John, the engineer, was very successful. Made heaps of money. But his wife spent it even faster than he made it. I know nothing about it. In the end, this led John to embezzle $5,000 from his company. He and his wife ran away, wandered all over the country, used up every cent they had. Because there was no job that John could apply for without giving himself away. Interesting, but I don't see how... Finally, that... two years ago, the real Henry Trevor, the quiet schoolmaster, died. Immediately, John saw a chance to borrow his brother's identity. Make a new start. And so John became Henry. How... How did you find all this out? By going back to the Morton School. The headmaster remembered the scandal about the embezzlement very well. And how much sorrow it caused Henry at the time. All that I had to do was show him the photograph of a man who claimed to be Henry. Quite simple, really. Mrs. John Trevor. What did you call me? You are the wife of John Trevor, the man I've been asked to find. Oh. I... I don't suppose there's any use now to deny it. None. Yes. It was my extravagance that caused the trouble. I wanted things John couldn't afford. Believe me, I regret the whole thing. We... We struggled so hard to live it down. But Wallace found out, the man at the chemical plant. Yes, I... By following us to Thrush Lane several times and overhearing our conversation. And then he tried to blackmail your husband? Yes. And last Monday night, after John left me, Wallace came along again to ask for money. Five hundred dollars. Otherwise, he would expose John. But your husband refused. Yes, he, he began to scuffle with Wallace. But then he became frightened and decided it was no use. He decided he'd have to run away once again. Where is he now? Don't ask me. Please don't. But you must tell me. No. 
He's my husband. And this was all my fault in the first place, Mr. Keene. It was my foolishness and vanity that caused John to embezzle the money. Oh, please go now. But, Mrs. Trevor... I beg you, please go. The telephone. Mrs. Trevor, the reason that you want me out of here... Would it be because your husband is right now calling you on the telephone? I have nothing more to say. Pick up the phone, Mrs. Trevor. Answer it. But, Mr. Keene... And tell your husband I want to see him in my office in New York. Any time tomorrow, if he can make it. I... I don't know. Please do as I say. You won't regret it. Well, boss, do you think he'll come? I have every hope, Mike. But it's almost five in the afternoon already. Ah, oh, no. He won't come. Not a guy who embezzled five grand and stole his brother's name. There's one thing you've overlooked. What's that? Come in. Good afternoon, Mrs. Trevor. Good afternoon. You came alone? No. Not alone. Oh. You're John Trevor? Yes. Come right in, both of you. This is Mike Clancy, my assistant. How do you do? How are you? Sit down now. Mr. Keene, my wife says you insisted on my coming to see you. I wouldn't have done it except I was sick of hiding. Trevor, I want to ask a question. If you had the chance to make restitution for that $5,000, would you do it? Mr. Keene, why do you think we've been slaving for the past two years? I had any job I could get in Lydia in one hat shop after another. Save enough money to pay back. Well, why didn't you get in touch with your old firm? Because we've only got $2,000 so far. Because I was afraid of what attitude they might take. Well, Trevor, there are two things that impress me about this case. First, that you and your wife have worked so hard ever since you made that mistake. Second, that you proved yourself so valuable to the war effort. Oh, it's nice of you to say that, Mr. Keene, but... No, but... I'll be glad to accept the $2,000 you've saved so far. Let you pay off the rest in installments. What did you say? I got a telegram this morning from your old firm. What? Let me read it. In view of circumstances as explained by you, we are delighted to accept your check and drop all charges against John Trevor. Why, Mr. Keene, you mean you went ahead and... I took a chance on you two. I paid off the $5,000 with my personal check. Oh, how wonderful of you, Mr. King. Certainly is, but there's still Mr. Morley. I've already made your excuses to him. What did you tell him? The truth. Best excuse of all. And he still wants me back? He'd be very much obliged if you'll take the next train out of here for Connecticut. Oh, Mr. King. You'll find one little change, though, at the factory. What do you mean? Mr. Wallace has suddenly resigned. Mr. King, how can we ever thank you? What kindness. What understanding. Never mind the speeches. You'll miss your train. Along with you. There's a war on, you know. Listen next week at the same time as Mr. Keene brings us the case of murder in the air. Join us again next time on Mystery Radio X. X.